Happy Mother's Day. Let's give it up for all the moms right now. We love you, Mom. We're so thankful. My poor mother, I had to go into the pasture to make up for what I did to her. And so it's glad to have you guys here. I'm very thankful for each and every one of you. We have an amazing guest speaker today. Ashley Willis uh, hails from Georgia. She travels all over the nation with her and her husband. They are speakers for the EXO Marriage Conference. Also, they have the EXO, the Naked Marriage Podcast with EXO. You guys check it out. It's hilarious and great insights as well. Please give it up for author and speaker, Ashley Willis. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness. I am so excited to be here. Happy Mother's Day and happy Mother's Day to all of you watching online and joining us from different campuses. What a special day. I'm truly honored to be here. I'm telling you guys, I was eyeing some of you who came in with kids wearing like the matching shirts. And I have to be honest, I was a little jealous. Okay. My kids are ages. I have four boys, ages eight to 18. And I cannot, I can maybe get the the younger two to wear something sort of matching, but it is not happening with the older two. And so Relish these days, you guys. Relish the days, okay? And just talking about my family, I have a picture here of my crew. I actually call them my five guys. Um, And we do like five guys, burgers and fries. We do like that. But my five guys are my husband, Dave. And then we have Cooper, Connor, Chandler, and Chatham. Yes, I trip over their names all the time. We decided to ride the sea wave and name our dog Chi-Chi. Yes, okay? And my friend pointed out, you have the Cocos and the Cha-Chas and then, of course, the Chi-Chi, okay? So, like, we just decided to do all this. And life is as crazy as it sounds with four boys. It's, there's never a dull moment, okay? It's a lot of fun, a lot of bathroom fascination. So I thought I would share a bathroom fascination story with you. I'm going to be talking about peace today, okay? And a lot of us moms and dads, we kind of wish we had, you know, a peaceful moment, meaning, like, maybe not a lot of noise, But then we find out real quick in certain age brackets of raising children that not having noise is not good, okay? And a few years ago, I had one of those moments. So Dave and I, it was like a Saturday morning, we're folding towels. We made sure that our youngest, Chatham, who was two at the time, was like playing with his little blocks or something on the floor. Our our third son, Chandler, was doing something like with cars over here in the other corner. And then our two older boys were playing video games. They play Roblox. They love that. And so like everybody was settled. And it wasn't quiet, but they were settled. And we were like, okay, we can get some stuff done and like maybe even have a conversation. So Dave and I... We're having a conversation, and we must have been, like, really enthralled in our conversation because all of a sudden there was, like, a pause, and we both realized there's not any noise. Like, there's not clamoring of some kind. There's not someone complaining about something. Um, what, what's going on? Like, we were, it was like a peaceful moment, then, like, heart drops, okay? And so we're eyeballing, okay, where are all the kids? Let's take an assessment. We realize Ch- we see Chandler. Okay, Chandler's good. We yelled for the older boys. They came down, peeked down. They were like, what's going on? And we're like, we're just making sure we know everybody is because it's a little too quiet in this house, okay? And then we're like, wait a minute, where's Chatham? He's only two. Two-year-olds can get into a lot of stuff. So I start to panic, and then Dave starts to panic, and then all the boys are starting to panic, and we're looking around frantically, yelling his name. And all of a sudden, I turn around to our kitchen, which I had turned the lights off in, and our half bath, which was like attached to part of the kitchen, there was like a little glimmer of light coming from that bathroom. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, after four boys, I have one that is going to like really embrace this potty training thing and went to the potty all by himself, happened to like get on the little step to turn on the light, like miracle, right? So I go in there and to my relief, I see my precious Chatham. He's grinning ear to ear. He's safe. He's, I don't think he went to the potty, but he was in the bathroom nonetheless. 
But then to my horror, I realize there's a black substance all around his mouth, okay? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, he's safe. He's maybe went to the bathroom, but what is that? Okay, what is that? So my husband and I like start really examining him. We look down and his precious little hand is a sopping wet Oreo. Mm-hmm. Not even sure where he got that, okay? Then he proceeds to dip it in the toilet, <laughs> dip it, and then eat it, eat it, okay? And I don't know about you all, but in our house with four boys, they're not always flushing the toilet, so I don't even know what was in there. Yes. And so Dave and I are like, literally like, oh my gosh, like we're like holding back, like gagging over here. We grab Chatham and we immediately like start washing off his face. I think I gagged him because I wasn't sure what he got in there. And so it's just this crazy chaotic moment. And then we were kind of like, okay, he's okay. It was funny. We can laugh about it now. And I know a lot of you, a lot of you moms in here, a lot of dads in here have stories like that. And we can laugh about things like that now. And you're like, oh, you're talking about peace. And those are chaotic moments. Those are fleeting moments. But I know so many of us in this room and watching online and watching at the other campuses, like I know, I know that there's stuff you're going through right now that goes way beyond a toddler dipping an Oreo in a toilet and eating it. Okay. I know that. I know that you're bringing in real issues. Like you're going through really hard stuff right now. And maybe you're like me, and in these hard seasons, you find yourself maybe telling yourself things like, well, maybe I'll have peace like once these bills get paid, like once we have enough money for this. Or maybe I'll have peace once that wayward child finally comes home. Or maybe we'll have peace, you know, once these marriage, these specific marriage issues finally get, get dealt with. Or maybe we'll have peace when X, when Y, when Z. You name it. I think so many of us, we say these things. And we think, if I could just get to the other side of this season, then I could maybe have some peace in my life. But you guys, we live in a fallen world. You can be on this earth five minutes and know it's not perfect. We live with real issues. Sometimes we bring these issues on ourselves. Other times, and many times, stuff just happens that we don't see coming our way. We get a diagnosis that takes our breath away, and we don't know how to deal with it. We have somebody who we thought loved us come and say they don't love us anymore. That's a hard day. We go through moments of grief where we're like, I don't know how I'm going to live on this earth without this person that I love so much. Those are the kind of moments we're not sure we can ever have peace again. And I've been there too. And I, I years ago wrote a book called Peace Pirates that explored kind of what God's peace really is and how we can have it and how we can keep it. Because I, like many of us, I, I really questioned, was that even possible? And particularly in my early years as a mom, I really struggled to find peace. And I really was like, where, where is it? Where's this elusive thing called peace? Because with all this chaos around me, and it's a beautiful chaos much of the time, but a lot of times I just felt so overwhelmed and then comparing myself to other moms and feeling like I couldn't really be a good mom and a good wife at the same time or a good mom, a good, mom, a good wife, a good daughter, a good Christian at the same time. You name it. I just, I just felt like, how can I have peace when everything's so crazy much of the time? And when I dove into God's word, I found out that peace is not how the world defines it at all. You know, the world wants to tell us that peace is just the absence of hard circumstances. But the Bible has so much of a different definition for peace. And that's what we're going to talk about today. In the Bible, we learn that peace is not the absence of chaos, but it is the presence of our creator. Because peace is a gift from God. In fact, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit that he wants us to have when we become a Christian. 
He wants to give it to us. But it's something that doesn't just happen, right? It's something that we actually need to pursue. And that's by being close to to God in our life. You know, there's a lot of verses in the Bible in the Old and New Testament when it comes to peace. So I'm going to share some of those with you today. But one of my favorites is Proverbs 1430, and it says this, a heart at peace gives life to the body. I mean, isn't that beautiful? When we're at peace, we feel like we can do almost anything, right? We can face anything. There's just this supernatural peace that surpasses understanding. That's one of my favorite verses about peace. Like we can face it, right? We feel, we feel in sync with God and we feel at peace. And God wants us to have that. He wants us to have that kind of peace, not a peace that is just based on our circumstances. I love that Jesus talked a lot about peace. And one of my favorite verses is John 14, 27. And it says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And I love how Jesus talks about us being afraid. You know, he lived a real human life on this earth. So he knows what we go through. He knows what our journey is like. He knows it's hard. He's not surprised by our questions or by our weariness. He gets it. And I love that about him. But he wants to remind us that we don't have to go through it alone. Because he's right there with us. He doesn't want us to have this world-defined peace that is fleeting and based on circumstances. Because then it's like, do we ever really have a chance to get it? It's like hitting the lottery or something. But that's not the kind of peace that God provides. Peace is for each and every one of us through each and every circumstance. And you know, when I was studying uh, what peace really is and how the Bible defines it, many of you know this word, but the original, like the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in fact, if you go to Israel today, they're not only going to tell you hello, but they're going to say shalom. And it's in essence like they're saying, God's peace be with you, which I think is just so beautiful. And they really value this concept of God's peace. And you may or may not know this, but when they translated the Old Testament and the Hebrew word, like all the Hebrew words, they couldn't always be translated to just one English word. Many times they needed like a bigger definition. They needed just more than one word to capture the whole essence of the word. And shalom is no different. So shalom, yes, it means peace, but a bigger and a broader definition of this is really wholeness wholeness. And in fact, if you go and you replace the word peace with wholeness, it takes on a whole new meaning and you really understand what God's peace is in a whole new way. So I challenge you to do that. Like take verses with the word peace in them and insert wholeness instead. And you're going to be like, whoa, that gives me a whole new perspective. You know, another definition, it says it is wholeness lacking nothing or complete. So God's peace, we are whole, we are complete. We are lacking nothing. I didn't want to stop there in just understanding the definition. I wanted to see, well, what was the earliest way that Hebrews would write this word peace to each other? And what I found revolutionized my understanding of peace, and I hope it does the same for you. You see, I did not realize this, but the ancient Hebrews had an ancient word picture lexicon, much like the ancient Egyptians with their hieroglyphics. Okay, so there are word pictures where they would try to describe what that word means through pictures to each other. And in fact, those symbols still have influenced their written language today. And you can, if you look at them side by side, you can see it. It's really cool. And so the word shalom, it looks like this. Okay, four symbols. And back then they would have been going right to left instead of left to right like we read today. So starting on the right, we have animal teeth, which stands for breaking. Moving to the left, we have the shepherd's staff, which stands for authority. 
Moving to the left, we have the tent peg, which stands for established by or attached to. And that last symbol over here is choppy waters, which stands for chaos. So the ancient Hebrews, when they would write the word shalom to each other, they were in essence defining the word shalom for each other to understand, and it's this. It is God breaking the authority established by chaos. Breaking the authority established by or attached to chaos. And I don't know about you, but that blew my mind because right there we learn that peace is not about the absence of hard circumstances or chaotic circumstances, but it's about the authority we allow those chaotic circumstances, those, those toxic people, those things, those hard things in our life to have over us. Because God really is the only one who is our true authority. He is our good father. He is our good shepherd. He is not going to lead us astray. And so if we are really going to understand and really exercise God's peace in our life, that means we have to come to him and surrender those circumstances, those people, those places, those things that are trying to take up space and authority in our lives. And we hand it over to God and say, I'm so sorry, God, will you take this because you are my authority and I'm not gonna let this thing mess with me anymore. So even in the midst of the chaos, we can have peace. We can have that peace that surpasses understanding. You know, there was another word that I discovered when I was learning about shalom, and it really was kind of, it kind of, it kind of tripped me up a little bit, and I was like, this is so crazy. So as I was looking up the word shalom, looking at the symbols, right next to it was this word shalal, and I'm gonna show you this on the screen over here. So shalal has some of the same symbols as shalom, but it means something totally different. So it uses two shepherd staff and the animal teeth. And in fact, the definition is to spoil, rob, or prey, to seize authority via destructive means. Totally different kind of definition. In fact, I would say like the opposite of shalom, right? So it's seizing, taking authority that you're not supposed to have, right? And when I was looking at shalal, it made me think of the verse John 10, 10, where it talks about this. It says the thief, meaning the enemy, Satan, comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. I have come, that's Jesus talking, I have come, that they may have life and have it to the full. That's shalal. And shalal is exactly what the enemy wants to offer us, right? He wants to take up space in our life, take authority, convince us that we need to just go around half-hearted, that we can't have peace, that we've done too much, or that, that we're defined by the thing that's bothering us, or that this relationship has to exist this way and we can't put boundaries in place because this is just how it has to be. That's what the enemy wants to convince us of. And he wants to seize that authority in our life. Even that way of thinking can be an authority in our life that is, is taking authority by destructive means because in essence it destroys us. And I actually saw a picture of this recently on a hike in Costa Rica. You see, I had a big birthday and we had a big anniversary a few years ago. And Dave was like, my husband was like, what do you want to do? And I'm not really a gifts person, but I am an experienced person, okay? And I was like, I want to go someplace cool. And so we kind of, you know, remembered our bucket list. And one of our places was Costa Rica. And we love to hike. And they have a lot of biodiversity there, a lot of cool places to hike. And so we went to Costa Rica. And we ended up going on a two-mile hike in a volcanic rainforest, okay? It literally is like Narnia. Like, I didn't even think things like this could exist. I'm serious. I'm like, literally magical fairyland. I'm like, 
I can hear angels singing. Like, it's just so beautiful. And um, so anyway, imagine like Yellowstone National Park with all the steam coming out of the ground, really cool things happening um, with geysers and stuff. And then you have a rainforest and it's all together. Okay. And so you have spider monkeys jumping over, like literally vines over your head. And just a side note, I used to tease my kids and tell them to stop acting like spider monkeys because I really thought they probably did act like spider monkeys. And I can confirm they, in fact, did act like spider monkeys. And they fight like siblings, and it's hilarious. And so I highly recommend seeing spider monkeys. You guys can look them up. It's so fun. So like there's spider monkeys. There's all these beautiful birds. There's all these cool plants. And our guide, who was so well-versed in this biodiversity, was explaining all of this to us. But on this hike, I kept on noticing this one tree, and he hadn't told us about it. So I was like, can you tell me about this tree? And it looks so cool. This tree, or this picture only kind of gets half the tree, but it it really had these, like, gnarly roots coming up into it. And you see kind of that canopy or that fortress kind of thing at the bottom where it's real thick, and then it would go up really tall. And it just looks so otherworldly. So I asked our guide about it, and he said, ooh, I am so glad you asked me about this tree. And I said, well, what's it called? And he said, it's called a strangler tree. And I was like, strangler tree? That's really kind of a savage name. Like, can you tell me more about that? And he was like, yes. He goes, in fact, scientists, they call this, they call what the strangler tree does, nature's unwanted hug. You can look this up. Here's why. The strangler tree forms a root system around a healthy host tree that has a good light source, a good water source, a good air source, and and all the nutrients and the water and everything, the sunlight that it needs to thrive. And the strangler tree, its little root system comes up and acts like it just wants to meet its neighbor, just get a little cup of water, get a little sunlight, like I'm just your friendly neighbor here, and you know what, I'm just going to give you a little hug, I'm so friendly. And like over time, this strangler tree starts hugging it more and more. And its roots form around and around and around and around and around that host tree. And before that host tree even realizes it, it's formed a complete kind of fortress at the bottom all around the host tree to where it literally starts strangling the host tree. And it cuts off every bit of light, every bit of air, every bit of water, and all the nutrients and squeezes it to death chokes the very life out of the host tree until it dies inside the strangler tree. And as the guide's telling me this, I'm like, gosh, that's like so crazy. Like nature is fascinating. But all I could do is think about shalal. I mean, that is a picture of taking authority by destructive means. Authority that was not rightfully that strangler tree's. And that is exactly what the enemy wants to do in our lives, especially when it comes to our peace. Now, it's not this random root coming to hug us and choke the life out of us, right? But it looks like, it looks like things like mental illness and convincing us that we just have to live like that, that we've done something wrong and we're a damaged person now and that we can never tell anybody about it and that we just need to live in shame and keep it our secret. It looks like, like habits that we think are harmless that become full-fledged addictions and we think we're too far gone and that we just have to keep on riding this because it's our problem now that we just have to keep to ourselves. It looks like toxic relationships that have become codependent and unhealthy and we're not willing to put boundaries in place and we just think we have to deal with it. Those are the kind of strangler trees that we have in our life. Sometimes it's sin, but sometimes it's just hard circumstances where they get out of control and it ends up literally killing us inside. 
But the good news that we have is we have a God that doesn't want us to be like that host tree because the minute we surrender whatever we're going through to him, he comes in and he is the hero and he says, you are my child, you are my son, you are my daughter. I love you, I have good plans for you. And he tells us we don't have to live like this. He wants us whole. He doesn't want us half-hearted or something is taking up space in our life and making us live as if we're anemic, like we don't have what we need to get through the day, to get through our life. He offers us a hope and a future, even in the midst of these struggles. And he wants that for me. He wants that for you. He wants that for each and every one of us in this room. But it doesn't just happen. We have to bring it to him. We bring it to him. And he meets us right where, right where we are every single time. Peace is a gift of the Holy Spirit that we must promote, pursue, and protect in our heart and in our home. So it's always there for the taking for us as believers. But it is something we pursue by coming to church just like you have done today. By gathering among other believers. By going to your Bible study. By reading your Bible. By listening to worship music. By focusing your mind on the things of God and not the things of this world. That's how we pursue God's peace in our relationship with him. And we can promote it as well by being peacemakers, but not by being doormats. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. I love in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all your requests to God in your prayers and petitions, along with giving thanks. And then the peace of God, which exceeds all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. We are safe in Christ Jesus when we have his peace. He doesn't want us to be of divided mind. He doesn't want us to be half-hearted. He wants to offer us the wholeness that only he can give us. But again, we have to pursue, promote, and protect it. We pursue peace when we fully surrender our heart and mind to him. And this is a daily practice. In 2 Corinthians 13 and 11, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind and live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. And this is how we promote peace. We promote peace when we are kind and encouraging and work to establish healthy boundaries. You guys, I cannot stress this enough. I know I mentioned earlier that we are called to be peacemakers, people who are trying to bring peace to others, right? We do as much as we can to be at peace with others, but that doesn't mean we become doormats. It doesn't mean we allow someone in our life to become like God in our life because that's what happens when we don't put healthy boundaries in place. These relationships become toxic. They become codependent and they end up sucking the life out of us just like a strangler tree. And so sometimes the, very, the most loving thing you can do for those that you love in your life that are maybe trying to be too controlling of you or there's some kind of toxicity between you two, the most loving thing you can do is put a boundary in place. Now, I'm going to tell you, somebody who's used to not respecting your boundaries, they're going to kick, they're going to scream, they're going to say you don't love them, they're not going to like it, but you have to stick your ground, okay? Hold your ground. Say, I'm serving the Lord. He is my authority. And I love you, but you're not my authority. That's not your rightful place in my life. And I love you. And because I love you, I'm going to put this boundary in place because that's what people who love each other do. And I am trying to be a person who embraces God's peace. And not only, yes, not only will you receive more peace, 
but they will receive more peace. And in fact, even this whole situation might be the very thing that leads them to the Lord because they're trying to get fulfillment that only God can give from you. And that's not your rightful place. And so we have to be people promoting peace, but really upholding those boundaries. That's how we promote peace, is saying like, this is a healthy boundary I need in place in order for our relationship to be a more peaceful one. We protect the peace in our heart and home by choosing to trust God, and especially in the hard seasons. And this, this is really probably the hardest part about, about this whole understanding God's peace, is we we can agree to maybe like those other things, but we're like, but what about the really hard situations? The ones that take your breath away. The ones that leave you unable to move, like you feel paralyzed by the situations that you're facing. That's where we qu- tend to question God and our trust waivers. And we're like, God, do you even see what's going on here? Do you see what's going on in my life? Do you know how this feels Do you know that I I can't sleep sometimes? Do you know I don't understand what's going on here? I don't like this situation. I want you to know that God does see it. And he does know. And he sees far more than we could ever see. From beginning to end, he sees it all. He knows it all. And we can trust him. He is a good God that does not lead us astray. We can put our faith in him day after day after day. You know, not too long ago when my second son, Connor, was about eight years old, he came running into our family room and he said, Mom and Dad, Mom and Dad, you've got to come to the screened-in porch. And we had this little screened-in porch that had a lot of flowering plants that would draw honeybees, like we could look at them through the screened-in porch, and then it would draw hummingbirds. And this particular day, a hummingbird had somehow gotten into the door and was flying up kind of in the high part of the the screened-in porch, and he was scared to death and could not see the way out. And our son was like, he's so scared, Mom. Like... He's flapping his little wings like crazy, and his little heart's going to beat out of his chest. He's going to die, Mom. He's so afraid, and he's bumping the walls. He's so afraid because he's just flying back and forth, not able to find a way out. And so my husband and I, we were like, we got to help this bird get out of here. So Dave got a broom, and he's, like, trying to wave the broom to try to get the, the bird out of there. But as you can imagine, this hummingbird is, like, terrified. Like, what is happening? So then we were like, well, what do, hummingbird, what do hummingbirds like? They like nectar. So we made a little bowl of nectar. We put it in a place where we were, like, trying to draw him towards the nectar. I think we, like, flicked nectar in the air, like, we're good people. We're not hurting you, you know. And we're like, come on, come on. And he would not do it. He's still bumping around, bumping around up there. And then Dave was like, well, I'll get on a ladder, and I'll get a bag, and I'll just, like, capture him in the bag. And so here's Dave up this ladder trying to, like, chase this bird with a bag about falling off. And the bird's even more terrified than ever. So then we're like, we don't know what to do. And our son Connor was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'll be right back. And so he runs upstairs. He comes back down. He has this enormous super soaker gun, water gun. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it's the kind that can hold a stream for a while if you want to really spray somebody. And we're like, whoa, I don't, I don't know what you're doing with this. And he goes, no, hear me out. He said, you know when I run in the sprinkler and I have my clothes on, I get really weighed down and I can't run as fast. And when I go to the trampoline, I can't jump as high because it kind of slows me down. And he said, what if I super soak this hummingbird? Oh, yeah, I know. He's like, what if I super soak this hummingbird and I slow him down enough that he gets to see the, the doorway and that he can go out. I just need to slow him down. And we pause and we're like, that might be the most brilliant idea I've ever heard in my life. And, and then, but then I'm like still doubtful. I'm like, I, I don't know. So we're like, at this point, try it. So Connor, like a master marksman gets that, that super soaker. 
hits the bird head on, and the bird is freaking out at first, like, what? This family's crazy, you know? They're torturing me. And so he's up there, and he's, he's still doing this, and then the water, as he gets more water on him, he slows down, he slows down, and then all of a sudden, he's on the floor, and he pauses for a moment, then he looks to the side, sees the door, shakes off the water, and flies out as fast as he can. And we were like, what? You know, so crazy. And I share this story with you because in that moment, I thought to myself, I've been that hummingbird. And I bet you have been too. Because I think in hard seasons of life, when we're in a room we don't recognize, and, and that's both figuratively or literally, we're in a place in our life we don't recognize, we don't like, it's foreign to us. We're like, this isn't what I signed up for. This season is too hard. There's too many unfamiliar things here. There's people in my life, I'm not really sure how to proceed here. I don't know a way out. We start being like that hummingbird, going crazy, hitting the wall side to side. You know, our hearts are beating out of our chest because we, we don't know what to do. And we don't, we just, we keep on moving. We keep on striving in our own efforts, but we don't slow down enough to see the path forward that God has provided us because he always provides that path forward, that next step. And so what we need to do is allow his living water to wash over us and let us slow down and pause for long enough to experience his peace and see that next step we need to take. Just like that hummingbird, we don't have to be afraid. God wants us to have his peace so desperately and it's right there for us. But we do need to slow down long enough to experience it for ourselves and then relish in it, you all. He wants us to have that wholeness and to keep that wholeness and to keep on promoting it in our lives. Before we wrap up, I want to do something really quick but very special. I want all the moms and stepmoms to stand in the room, please. Yes. Let's give them a hand. Yes, yes. Woo! Now stay standing. Stay standing, moms. I want another group. There's some of you in here. You may not have biological or adopted children, but you know you are a mother to many. I want you to stand too because we want to commend you on being moms in our lives as well. So please stand. Yes. Yes. And I have one last group that I want to recognize because I know Mother's Day in particular is very hard for this group of people. And I want to say a special prayer, not only for all the moms right here, but for all, also this group. If you have always wanted to be a mom, like that's in your heart. That's something you know God has put inside of you, but for different reasons, it hasn't happened yet. I want you to stand because we're going to say a prayer for you. Because I know that that Today can be especially hard, but we have a special prayer for you. So now with all of those people standing, if you have a lovely lady standing somewhere near you, if you could put a hand on them, if that's okay with them, or just reach out your hand, we're going to pray a special prayer over you. All right, let's pray, everybody. Lord, we thank you so much for this day to recognize mothers. We thank you so much for the gift of motherhood. We thank you so much for all the moms represented in this room and at the campuses and those watching online. We just pray a special blessing over these moms and stepmoms, these people who mother, and we just thank you for their presence in our lives. We thank you for these families represented.
I want to pray a special prayer for peace over those who want to be mothers, but that hasn't happened yet. I pray that they trust you, Lord, that they know that if you put that in their heart, Lord, that you are going to fulfill that in some way. And I just pray for peace for them and for that they're able to keep on trusting you through this time of waiting. And Lord, we thank you again for the gift of children. We thank you again for the gift of family. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you all so much. You guys give it up for Ashley Willis. Great word, Ashley, thank you. Well, it's so great to have you here. And like we said, we want to celebrate all the moms today. We're so thankful for you. We never close our services without giving an opportunity for people to receive Christ. Let's take a moment and bow our heads. Every head bailed, every eye closed. God, like a a good mother, is a shepherd, someone who cares for our every need. And so because of that, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Jesus proved that he's God by rising again from the dead. Now he waits for you to receive him. You can pray this simple prayer with us right now across all of our churches, those who are online with us. Just say this prayer with us to receive Jesus. You can say, Dear Jesus, thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just pray that prayer, then Christ has come in your life. No one's looking around right now. Just do me a favor without anyone looking. Would you just lift your hand high if you just gave your life to Christ? Just hold your hand high if you just prayed that prayer. Praise God. Thank you. Their hands going up all across our churches. Just hold your hand high. Thank you. We praise God for that decision you made to give your life to Christ. Thank you. We see your hands all the way across your island. Thank you. Thank you, Stone Oak. Praise God. Thank you, Rodfield. Thank you, Rockport Fulton. Hold your hand high. Those who are online with us right now, you can let us know in the text chat. Just text my hands raised or click hand raised right now if you just gave your life to Christ. Father, thank you for those who just trusted their lives in your hands. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your son for us. Father, we do thank you for all these wonderful mothers here today. We celebrate them. And Lord, I pray especially for the person who is not able to celebrate with their mother today because she's already with you. God, give them an extra dose of grace today. Thank you that you're there for us in those tough days as well. Well, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity. And thank you for the gift of motherhood. In your name we pray. Everyone said, amen. And God good. His word is so true.